0: Father, it's such a privilege to ask Mike tonight to preach. I pray that your anointing will be thick on him tonight as he preaches. I pray that the word that's in his heart will flow through his mouth. That you will minister through him to us tonight, Lord. That will we will embrace your word tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. guys. Isn't it wonderful to worship the Lord together? Maybe I'm the only one. Isn't it wonderful to worship the Lord together? Man. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is authority over every other word that is spoken. Every word that's been spoken to us in spite or in malice, your word carries authority over it. Every word that's been spoken by non-believers, by false teachers, by any other party in the history of this earth, God, your word has authority over it. And we thank you for your word. Lord, and we grab hold tonight with a bulldog grip on the authority of your word. And we thank you for it. If we determine, God, we will align our lives with your word. We thank you, Father, for speaking your word to us and giving us your word as a picture of who you are so that we can live and prosper and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I didn't plan to pray that. Listen, somebody's heard some stuff over your life, and the Lord is saying tonight that His Word has authority over that stuff. So whatever you've heard about whether you're not good enough, or you'll never cut it, or you'll never make enough, or my grandmother used to tell me, it's so stupid for you to go to Bible college, you're never going to be able to pay your bills. Well, guess what? God's Word had authority over that Word, and my family has never gone without because of his word. Not be, now, we didn't do blab it, grab it, mind you. We just followed the word of God. Is that okay? <laughs> Man, so um, tonight, if you hear something out of the word, now, if you hear Navisky's opinion, you can throw that out. But if you hear something out of the word and it reminds you of something you've ever heard in your life before, and that's contrary. You can throw that thing out and say, Father, I believe your word instead. Father, I'm going to act according to your word. And I believe there's breakthrough. Someone tonight when we were praying saw a picture of breakthrough. He saw a seed crowded in tight ground. And they're saying, God, can you loosen up the dirt? And I think the Lord, rather than loosening up the dirt, he's going to let the dirt stay tight. Because he's going to show the world just how big and mighty and strong he is through you. As his life pushes out through that stuff. And you thrive right where you are. And it's going to be to the glory of his name. To the glory of his name. And some of us have had it easy. And some of us haven't. But you know what? Um, if any of us in the room have had it easy, it's it's it, we don't have a real we don't have a ground to stand on to try to talk to someone who's had it really hard. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus knows. He knows. And whether or not I can speak to any difficult circumstances with any kind of authority, I know Jesus can. And I'm here tonight with, with, with all the fear and, and honor that I have for you. If you have, you know, we're talking about faith in difficult times. <laughs> the faith through tough times. <laughs> you know, but I'm here tonight with all honor for you and with all sincerity and compassion to say that Jesus is bigger and stronger than any of that tough stuff. And his life is going to push through all that stuff. To the glory of his name. Amen. Amen. And all we have to do is, is what his word says. So um, I've been studying this since before last Sunday. So if you hear anything tonight that you heard last Sunday night, it's the Lord. Because <laughs> I started studying on Saturday and then I heard my friend. We did not collude, I promise. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't chat in advance. Um, he lives over there and I live over here. And I'm so glad to live here. Um, so tonight we're going to look at this. Living richly. Blessed be the sower. But, but listen to me now. I'm going to talk a lot about a whole lot more than money. Right? Because sowing is a lot more than money. But living richly. Blessed be the sower. The challenge is when we're talking about faith through tough times, how should difficult times impact how I live? Now the things have gotten hard. How should I live my life? And we think about that. What do I do now? It's gotten hard. But I want to give you, I want to turn the thing inverse on us. And I want to say the reality is the tough times actually expose how I'm already living my life in the deepest part of my soul. That's what's really going on. Has anyone ever used a sponge mop? When those things first came out, I gotta tell you, my wife bought one of those and brought it home. And, and I, grew up, I grew up with a mop. You know what I'm saying? You make the figure eight and the floor gets clean. And, you know, and now we've got this, this sponge and you just stick it in the water and you just go back and forth. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't understand. I can't cope with this thing. You know, so you like, mop the floor. And I'm like, okay, do you have a mop? Because I, I can't cope with that sponge. You know, but I finally, I finally learned, you know, I can find now I can cope with it. Are you proud of me? I can mop the floor again it took a long time right <laughs> i'm domestically challenged right but here's a picture of a sponge mop and here's the incredible thing right we use that thing and um you rub the floor for a few meters right and you pick it up and you look at it and it looks kind of clean right and then you walk over because you think oh, i better get some more soap you know and then uh, can you show the next slide this is the best picture but then you squeeze that thing right how many of y'all have squeezed it after you start mopping oh wow! Uh, was that on my floor a little like chocolate milk coming out of the mop right now. What on earth? The mop did not look that dirty, but look! Look at that. What's come out? Man, the that water looked so good five seconds ago, and now it's nasty. You know, and and man, well, what has happened? Um, the squeeze has exposed what was inside that sponge, and not. Uh, <laughs> but you know what pressure comes in our lives and it exposes what's in us already and sometimes the squeeze comes and we're like and we look at what comes out and we're like oh Oh, lord jesus wow i am so sorry (laughs) you know what i want to challenge if you're not in tough times now they're coming because this is earth we live on, right? It's a fallen world full of fallen people. What could possibly go wrong, you know? So, we are, so either, you're either coming out of tough times, you're in tough times, or you're heading for them, you know? And I want to challenge us with this. The decisions we make, hear my heart. The decisions we take now about how we want to live our life will be the decisions that we can keep when times get tough. Put, what's, put what you want in the sponge in there before it gets squeezed. When the sponge gets squeezed, what do I want to come out? You know? Right? When it gets squeezed, because you know what? Let, let me put that in there now. Because I'm going to tell you, the squeeze is Coming. Tough times come, tough times come economically, tough times come socially, tough times come relationally, tough times come culturally. And in these tough times, our response says more about our character than where we go to church, what t-shirt we wear, the bumper sticker we put on our car. A lot more, we learn a lot more about you when the squeeze comes out than from your bumper sticker. So I'm going to give you you a spoiler now, in case y'all get tired 15 minutes in. This is the spoiler. This is the punchline. This is what the whole thing is about. Are you ready? Live richly towards God and towards one another, and God himself will look after you. We're going to look at the scripture just now. It talks about God will look after you materially. But I'm going to tell you, you've re- lived richly relationally towards one another. And God's going to look after you relationally. Live richly socially towards one another. And God's going to look after you socially. I'm telling you. So a couple of personal examples from this. Long ago, before we ever got married, my wife and my, my fiancé and I, we sat down and we took a decision I don't know, because I really wasn't that clever. You know, I was kind of, a, I was kind of an idiot. And, but somehow, by the grace of God, we knew that we needed to take some decisions. And I'm only going to talk about two of them, because I don't, you know, does anyone else want to be here till 9 o'clock? Because I don't, right? <laughs> so I'm only going to mention two. But this applies in every arena, okay? So the obvious one, we took this decision. We will tithe off our increase. Full stop, always. And why did we take that decision? Was it, were we attending, a, you know, a word of faith church with prosperity doctrine? No, we weren't. We haven't, and we don't, and we we never will. So, um, <laughs> but um, but but we, you know, we did attend a Bible believing, God fearing church that taught the Word of God. And my mama taught me when I was nine years old. You know what? Whenever you earn something, ten percent of it goes to the Lord first. It's the first fruits. You don't spend what you want to spend it and hope there's something left, you know. And this is and she took me all through. It happened in Genesis. It was Mel, Mel um, Abraham given to Melchizedek, and then here we are in the law. It's the first fruits thing, and then um, then all the way in Hebrews, they're still talking about it. It's a thing that we do, and it's in Malachi, it's all over. And I'm not going to give you the big theology of tithing, but if you want it, you can ask it in. Um, you can ask me too, you know. <laughs> so, um, But we took that decision, okay? We took that decision before we were ever married. So times weren't good or bad. We took that decision. So regardless of broader economic circumstances... You know, we had a few financial meltdowns in the States where we were living at the time. Regardless of personal financial circumstances, I was jobless for a couple months, for a while there. But we made that decision before times got bad, and we kept it when they were bad. We put something in our sponge that we wanted to come out when the squeeze came. And God has looked after us. God has looked after us, right? But I'm going to show you later, it ain't about Lexuses and big houses, (laughs) You know, he's looked after us. For example, um, just one testimony about it. I told you I was an idiot, right? So y'all won't be shocked. I got us in a lot of debt, making stupid decisions, like almost a a year's salary of debt, right? So listen, um, if you're young and you're about to get married, you're starting out your life, don't do stupid things like that. Don't even get a credit card. But there I was, I did it, okay? Okay. Was dumb and then we were like working on that thing and servicing that thing and trying god this is ungodly please forgive me lord and and deliver us and and he began to do little things you know a little bit of increase in work there but not a big one and the check y'all the check never came in the mail i know he does that sometimes but we did not get a check in the mail we got a little bit of an increase at work and then later we got a really nice increase at work but mostly what we got is And one time i was asking the lord for a miracle and he said son, you're going to see a miracle. And I said, is it? He said, yes, when you finally obey, that's going to be a miracle. <laughs> so I began to obey the Lord, not just with tithing. We were tithing the whole time, but I began to obey the Lord with regards to just stewarding my, my everything, my time, my finances, you know, in a godly manner and not being wasteful. When that debt began to come down, but then the Lord said, "Y'all going to move to Africa?" I said, "God, He's so funny. You want us to be in Africa and pay on this credit card bill? How is that going to work?" We moved here on January twenty seventh, two thousand twelve. We paid the last payment on that credit card note on December third, two thousand eleven, with forty five days to spare roughly. We got out. So the Lord has looked after us, even when I did not deserve it. He looked after us. Chandra deserved it, but I did not. (laughs) But the point is this. We decided we're not going to check the wind to see whether or not we tithe. We're not going to do that. We're going to honor the Lord. And I want to invite you tonight, listen, with all sincerity, compassion, and understanding that I don't know what your circumstances are. And I want to tenderly invite you tonight to join us. Not because a man asked. Do not do financial things because a man asked. But because God said in his word. And I want to invite you if you don't tithe. Right? Not because your church needs it. God's going to take care of his church. Okay? But because God asks. And I want to point out something that I heard Pastor Louis say this morning. Um, at Hatville Christian Church, no one checks giving. And I, I love it because way over in Texas, in my home church, we have the same heart. We do not inspect the people of God, whether they give. That's between you and God, right? So don't worry. Now that one of the guys has come and invited you to tithe, there's not going to be a, like an internal review audit of your giving and no one's going to pitch up at your doorstep, right? Right? Now that's um, it's a tacky joke, but seriously, it's between you and God. It's been between you, and God. It's going to stay between you and God. But as a friend, I want to invite you to um, consider um, that as soon as you get a, as soon as you get any kind of increase, a paycheck, a gift, or whatever, take ten percent of that thing and pay it over into the church because that's what God asks us to do. And watch how He looks after you. It's a hard thing. It's not a legalistic thing, right? So if you feel manipulated, um, then don't, and just work that out before God, okay? Um, but listen, moving on from that, we made the same decision regarding relationships. We said, regarding our marriage, killing the covenant is not an option. I don't know how the Lord gave us. We must have heard somebody smarter than us say this. But there's a D word, and I'm not talking about using the word "damn" out of context. There's another D word. It it rhymes with "boudavore."s You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We decided before we married that that word is not allowed in our house. It's not allowed. We don't use it. We don't use it as a threat to one another. We don't say it. We don't use the word. It's not allowed. What were we doing? We were putting something in the sponge. You know, because we realize it's probably going to get tough. We're probably going to get, you know, hotful with one another, right? We're going to get frustrated, right? So we decided in advance that's not an option. Regarding our friends and our church family, we decided in advance we're not going to exile people from our lives because of petty offenses. The cross is bigger. Amen? We took some decisions, and I want to encourage you tonight, whatever season of life you're in, will you join me in those decisions? And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's putting some decisions on your heart. How, or why, how can I live richly? The tough times are coming, or even if I'm in them, it's a little more difficult when the squeeze is already on to take that decision, but that's what the grace of God is for. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. in the Greek. Thank you, Jesus. Regarding um, where to go to church... We decided God's in charge of where we go to church, not the behavior of others. So if someone acts like an idiot in church, I ain't going to go skipping down the street. God told me to come to this church. Here I am. And then I went to my pastor, and I was like, God, you want me to do this? I really felt urged by the Holy Spirit to do this. I went to him and said, Pastor, I want to submit this to you, that you're not in charge of whether I'm here working with you. Now, you are in charge of what I do, and I am accountable to you. It's not that I'm bucking that. I'm just saying, Pastor, if you mess up, if you hurt my feelings, you can't offend me enough to chase me away because you're not in charge of whether I'm here. God is. And you know what? The church needs people with enough intestinal fortitude from Christ's life within that we're not fragile and we go running off when our feelings get hurt because we took a decision before the tough times came and we said relationships in the kingdom matter more than whether or not my little old feelings are hurt now your feelings matter your feelings matter to the lord but we decided chander and i we decided if someone offends me i'm going to value that relationship enough To give them the opportunity to repent. I'm not just going to leave. I'm going to go to them. Read your Bible. Matthew chapter. Is it 18 or 19? 18. I always mix it up. Matthew 18. Is that okay? If I'm hurting your feelings, come. Give me the opportunity to repent. (laughs) I say this all out of love. I don't check the wind to determine whether or not I love you. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. All right, there's nothing you can do about it. So we're looking tonight, that was 17 minutes of introduction. So the rest of the content, we're going to move more quickly. <laughs> tonight, we're going to look at this issue of sewing in tough times. We're going to look, look, it's the Bible. There's, it's, you know, 66 books and lots of pages. We're only going to look at three issues around sewing in the Word of God. But I'm telling you, you do a study, you'll find a lot, right? We're going to look at sewing materially sowing to the spirit and sowing relationally so real quick um swipe with me and your electronic bibles does any does anybody even have a printed bible tonight there all right awesome yeah all right so you open with me second corinthians chapter nine this is powerful stuff but i'm going to trust that you scribble it down and have a look at it more in depth later is that okay I'm going to, we're going to do verses 6 through 15. But just quickly, the context of this passage, I'm a big believer in not taking things out of context, is Paul is, is encouraging believers in one city to give an offering, to help believers in another city who are suffering from a severe famine. Right? And the, So the city he's talking to is Corinth. The city where the famine is is Jerusalem. You know? And listen, Corinth had needy people in it. And there was another church that Paul didn't even ask. They just gave an offering. And then he took it. And that church was Philippi. I mean, Philippi, they were dirt poor. The city was poor. All the people in the church were poor. And they heard about a famine, and they gave out of their lack because the church was struggling halfway around the world. (laughs) It's phenomenal, right? Right? That's crazy. Right now, there's a hurricane slamming into Southeast Texas. You know, Southeast Texas, they, they, they go crazy if unemployment gets double digits. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the world is like, man, what are you all upset about? 10% unemployment? Man, that's our dream. You know, man, they're in such, they're blessed, right? But right now, they're suffering hundreds of millions of dollars in damage and thousands of people without a home. As the hurricane had 35 inches of rain falling. And winds and smashing things and ravaging, and you know what? There's, a, there's a. Imagine if a city like this, right, with we suffering 37 percent unemployment rate. Imagine if a city like this started giving money to Southeast Texas, right? That's kind of what's happening here. Okay, so I just wanted to give you that context, right? So the passage is specifically about financial giving, but there's principles we can gather that apply to every type of sowing. Is that all right? Okay, so let's look at verses 6 through 9. So this used to be easier to read. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul, not manipulating, not reluctantly and not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever so the first thing from this passage, giving is seed. Giving is seed. Okay? So that's, that's this thing. And however much we, in, we invest is how much we're going to reap. That's true in the stock market. That's true. If I plant ten seeds, I'm going to get a few, you know, corn plants or wheat plants. If I plant a thousand seeds, I'm going to get a lot more, right? It's just It's just a fact. Right? But here's another thing I want to point out. Harvest runs on God's ability. It says God is able. So I don't check the rand exchange rate. I check, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to do? Right? I also don't turn on the TV preacher and, you know, if you give a thousand rand, God's going to... I don't do that. I ask the Holy Ghost and I do what He says to do. Right? because it's on God's ability. But then Paul makes this connection between generosity and righteousness. And is it okay? I'll tell you, I completely didn't understand it. And then I studied it out, and it's really exciting. So let's go on and read verses 10 and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Man, he's saying a lot here, hey? This is big stuff. So the second thing I want to point out from this passage is um, there's increase on every side. Now remember, we're not just talking about money. These principles of sowing and reaping do not apply just to money. Right? It applies. So there's an increase of your store of seed. Now listen, seed is what you plant. It's not what you eat. Right? So when you heard the TV guy say, man, if you sow, you're going to get Alexis," No, you're not is that okay can we be real you know because alexis is something you consume it's for you but god did not say he's going to give you all kinds of bread he says he's going to increase your seed so what is the increase about it's so that we can continue to be a blessing right i love my kia i don't need alexis i don't judge people who do if you got one Praise God. Enjoy that thing, you know. But hey, I'm happy with my Kia. The Lord gave it to us because we couldn't, you know, we we couldn't even afford that. And the Lord gave us that thing out of the blue, right? But I'll tell you what, when we need to give to something, the Lord has it there. And we are able, we are abounding to every good work. And so um, this is the thing right here from verses 10 and 11. God will look after me, he will, he will. I'm enriched unto generosity. But now, look at this he says it's a harvest of your righteousness. Right? What am I going to reap? Harvest, reap righteousness? What does that look like? But anyway, he didn't say a harvest of righteousness, he said a harvest of your righteousness. The harvest belongs to my righteousness. What is that? So, I read a blog about a guy who you know heard about seed time and harvest but then he spent a summer on a farm and he's like oh lord we worked so hard (laughs) wow man that was a lot of work all we did was work we worked all the time it was it was work and sweat and blood and tears and then we got the next day we worked again and then on saturday we also worked you know and week after week we just worked you know but then in the autumn there was this thing there was this harvest and it was more, more food, more grain, more stuff that I could possibly imagine. It, it completely blew away the amount of work I did, what came in. But listen, that was a lot of work. So what we see here in verses 10 and 11, listen, righteousness is your generosity at work. And when you sow seeds, your righteousness is outworking and your righteousness is going to reap a harvest. You're not working. Your righteousness is working. And you get to be about doing the rest of the work of the ministry, like like treating your work as a place of worship and loving people and telling people about Jesus. But in the meantime, your righteousness is outworking and it's and it's going to get a harvest. But what is being harvested? Please tell me. It's Alexis. I'm kidding. (laughs) Let's look at verses 12 through 15. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So what is the harvest? The harvest is thanksgiving and praise. Giving creates thanksgiving. Right? It's right there. In verse 12, giving creates thanksgiving. And you're like, wait a minute, this is not exciting at all. The harvest is thanksgiving and praise? No, hear me out. Um, he says there's an overflow of thanks. And then he says others will praise. Who are these others? I remember when Jesus used the word others. Matthew five sixteen. in the same way, let your light shine before others. Others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Others are people who don't know him yet. And you know what? When we take care of one another, when we are generous in spirit toward one another, when we give to take care of one another's needs, or when we we live richly towards one another, emotionally or socially, relationally, when we build a strong community that withstands storms and we take care of one another, there is a giving that creates a harvest of thanksgiving and praise among unbelievers. So I want my righteousness to express itself in generosity So that God's name is glorified and his fame increases. Now I'm going to tell you, that's a harvest I will give my life for. That means a lot more to me than my Kia. Thank you, Lord, for my Kia. (laughs) But that's a harvest I'll lay down my life for. Right? And if it means... And if it means I'm going to give money, if it means I'm going to give my talent, my time, if it means I'm going to enlarge my circle of friends, my circle of love, then let's do this thing, Jesus. Let's do this thing. Let's increase your fame. Let's cause all the sinners to give you glory. Let's cause the name of Jesus to be glorified. Because you know, when we're all about ourselves, the Lord, the world loves to ostracize a good hypocrite. Right? Come on, let's, let's let our lives be a testimony of the goodness of God. Now, regarding this material sowing and tithing, I've talked a lot about tithing, and material sowing as well. I want to give you this warning. I know a lot of folks have seen some of the excessive teaching and you know the prosperity of this and the, all the abuse and manipulation. Um, I'm also really turned off by it. Okay, but hear my heart. Please don't let some other guy's excess turn you off from something God asked you to do in His Word right it's like punishing god because somebody else sinned and it's also punishing yourself because somebody else sinned right so someone's like off the deep end saying just stupid stuff about money right okay that's stupid but what god says to do in his word i'm going to do it regardless of whether there's an idiot is that okay I hear my heart. I love you. I just want to, I want you to be blessed. So here's the decision I'm going to take. I want to challenge, I want to invite you to join me in this decision, right? I will, regardless of the season, invest materially in God's kingdom and in his people. And I will look for opportunities as I am able, according to how God has provided for me to do good to my family in Christ. And when times get tough, I will not stop. Amen? I'm going to skip the second decision because it's already 30 minutes. And, you know, I think this was really good stuff. And I want to move to the last section. I want to talk about sowing relationally. All right? Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10 say this. Um, First, yeah, it, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. There's some powerful stuff there. We can chat later if you want to hear about it. But let's carry on. Verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest. There's that word harvest again. If we do not give up, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, even those who belong to the family of believers. Now, the greater context of this, Paul is talking about living by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We, we saw that. So um, in all of this giving, be led by the Spirit. Don't be moved by something and just out of emotion do something, you know. Please be led by the Holy Spirit. But this immediate context hes talking about relationships. Don't get wary in loving one another. You know, sometimes us believers, we sin against one another, don't we? We abuse one another. We do wrong things. Don't become weary. Don't let that thing close you off because there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. As we have opportunity, we must do good to all. I'll give you an example, right? I, know, um, there, you know, I, have, a, I have a skill in, um, in, in computer stuff. I'm not a programmer, so don't come ask me to build your program. I can't do that. But um, I take care of computers, and I can turn them inside out and do whatever. So every now and then, if there's a ministry, like a friend of mine, a ministry, you know, um, Jesus for Real, for example they have something and they have no idea what to do i'll just go over and fix it why because i have opportunity you know i can't give you you know 100,000 rand and i can't pay the note on your house but i can fix that computer you know some of you in here you might could fix the car but not the computer you know um, so i have i take what i have and i sew it right Um, Back in Sealy in Texas, I would every now and then show up at the the old ladies' houses and fix their computer, you know, because it's what I had, right? I'm investing in that. So economic turmoil happens, social turmoil, cultural turmoil, but in all of that, like I said earlier, I don't get up in the morning and check the wind to decide whether or not I love you. I'm going to take a couple minutes and give the most amazing example of this I've ever heard of. Um, (laughs) This is stunning. I have some friends. Their son was in Year of Your Life in 2012. His name is Stephen Peters. Does anybody remember Stephen Peters? His mom and dad are my heroes. And they moved to Kenya in 19-something. Y'all, it was a long time ago. (laughs) I was in junior high when they came over here. And then they moved to Burundi in like 1989 because God said so. And they planted a church. Then in 1991, everybody started killing each other with machetes. Did I say that word right? How do you all say that here? Machetes. Knives. Big knives. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It was a horrible genocide. It was horrible. Um, at one point, um, the American embassy guy showed up in his really, really nice car at their house. And he said, and he said, um, And Jamie was away, so he said to Leah, Leah, you and your husband and your four kids are the last Americans other than me on this soil. I'm driving to the plane, and you're coming with me. And she said, the Lord said, stay. We're not coming with you. And she watched him drive off and leave, and they stayed through that horrible war. But here's the amazing part. Here's what I can hardly contain when I talk about it, they built their church in the middle of the capital city in Bujumbura. They were meeting at the time in a theater and and I've been to that church, that theater, and I've met that pastor and There were Hutus and Tutsis that were coming to church together before the war broke out and Here's the war: these guys are busy trying to eliminate one another off the face of the planet, and these Hutus and Tutsis that go to this church they're born again, and they say. I didn't check the wind to decide whether I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And they would get up on Sunday morning, and they would literally dodge gunfire to go to church with the other race in the same building. Those are my heroes. There was a war, guys. And in in their greater context around, there was horrible things happening. People being carved up with big machetes in front of their children. And I went and I held the orphans in my, hand, in my arms in 2001. And actually Nelson Mandela had troops from South Africa there to, to enforce a peace accord at the time. And in the middle of all that, instead of hating one another, they said, the cross is enough. And I love my brothers and sisters. And they, they dodged bullets to go to church together. So I want to say, don't check the wind to decide whether you love one another. Hey, let's live richly towards one another. And let's don't just come to church together, man. Let's love one another. Right? When someone's unemployed, let's take them a meal. When someone's sick, let's take them some food. You know, when someone's Car is broken down. Let's get together and let's fix our car. Let's show the rest of this nation what community really looks like. And I respect the idea of Ubuntu, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus invented community. And he's better at it than the world ever was. And I want to show the world what Jesus kind of community looks like. And I'm so honored that the Lord let me come here to live in this city and live in community with amazing guys and girls like you. Let's do this thing, eh? Let's invest in one another, relationally and socially. So there's a decision that I'm taking, and I want to invite you to take this decision with me. The decision is, in good times and in bed, bad, whether I see the fruit or not, I will invest in relationships as the Holy Spirit leads. And when times get tough, I will not stop. And you're going to get hurt, but who's your healer? So don't wait around for the person who hurts you to heal you. And don't close off. Let's live open. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But as we close this thing, thank you for being patient with me. Um, As we close this thing, 2 Corinthians 6, Paul writes this impassioned note to the Corinthians, the believers in Corinth. And he says, guys, and he talks about how he had a lot of hard times and a few good times in Corinth, but mostly hard times. And he goes through this whole list of everything that was difficult. And at the end of it, he says, but we lived wide open. Around you. Listen, I'm going to read just the last couple of verses um, from the message paraphrase. He says this after describing all the things that he did um, there. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. What wide open, spacious life he's talking about? The one he just described where it was hard most of the time. (laughs) But yet he pushed through. Wide open, spacious life. We did not fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Now he's talking about their flesh, not the life of Christ in them. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives are not small. But you're living them in a small way. And I'm speaking to you as plainly as I can. And with great affection. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively in my heart tonight i i prayed i said holy spirit would you please convince us would you please inspire us that every one of us in the room like paul said he had it he had almost nothing and sometimes he had it all he was made fun of and ostracized and alone except god and then there were times when it was better no matter where we are in all of these things, Holy Spirit convince us that right now I can live open and expansive and rich towards God and towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that you leave here tonight knowing I can live richly towards my God I can live richly towards him. I'm not gonna tithe because the church deserves it, because sometimes the church doesn't. The church is full of humans and, you know, humans that make mistakes. I'm not gonna serve and treat my work as worship so I can earn brownie points or be in some club. I'm gonna tithe. I'm gonna give offerings. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna treat work as worship. I'm gonna pitch up and do things here. I'm gonna serve God there. And all of it is the overflow of my heart responding to a father who would sing to me like he had Cabello sing to me about an hour ago. I'm gonna respond to a God who's gonna love me like that with everything I've got. What is 10%? Take it, God. It's all yours anyway. You know what? I'm yours, God. Every breath, David said, every sound that comes out of my heart, not even just the words out of my mouth, even the sounds in my heart, may they be pleasing to you. He wasn't being legalistic, he was exploding with response God, God, I want to live it all for you. It's a response. And I pray that you leave here tonight going, I can live richly towards my family in Christ. I can smile. Even when things aren't like her, smile isn't fake, y'all. Smile means I love you. (laughs) Smile means you make me happy. Smile means I celebrate you. Random acts of kindness, taking a meal to the sick, taking groceries to the unemployed, whatever. Investing in one another community amen and um that is that is all we have so but i want to maybe um invite um you maybe you want to take one of those decisions tonight will that be okay one of the decisions is i will invest materially in the kingdom of god and like shandra and i decided you know and, you know, the funny thing is right before the Lord told us to come to Africa, we decided it was time to start giving to missions. But we took the decision, right? So now we're missionaries living on support, but hey, we don't check the win. We're still giving to the other missionaries that we felt like the Lord led us to give to, you know, because it's a decision we took before God. And you know what? In five and a half years living in this beautiful country, We've never gone without. We've been able to give to those missionaries. We've been able to give our tithes. We've been able to keep our babies in school. Well, they're not babies now, but you know what I mean? We, God has looked after us. You know? So maybe you want to take that decision. You know what? Maybe, maybe you're about to get married and you're like, you know what? I'm going to settle this now, Lord. My family, as for me and my house, we're going to do what you say when it comes or maybe you're already in a tough time and you're like man it's hard and I can't fathom how I'm going to do it but Lord I'm going to take the decision anyway so I want to invite you um, in just a minute um, we're going to stand but I want to invite you around the other decision maybe you're like I've been hurt and I've closed off or maybe you're like I've just been afraid and I've closed off but I just want to say maybe you want to take the decision tonight I'm going to live richly towards my family In Christ. Sometimes I'm going to get hurt because people are people and they make mistakes. And even then, I'm going to trust the Lord to heal me and take care of me. And to give me wisdom and discernment. And I'm going to live richly towards my family in Christ. And the last thing around that. Maybe you want to take any of those, either or both of those decisions. But the sponge is already being squeezed. It's tight. You know, um... Part of our community here, 50% of men under age 25 are unemployed. Man, that's, that's difficult. So maybe you're already in financial tough times. Maybe you're in cultural or social tough times. And I have no right to speak about these kinds of things, so please hear my heart. But there's a lot of people that are systemically mistreated in every nation, but here too. There's folks who suffer ostracism for no good reason whatsoever. There's folks who are marginalized. You know, I go in part of the community here, and I see people that are marginalized by this government, and the government before that marginalized them, and the government before that marginalized them. You know? And in the middle of all that, um, some preacher's going to say, you can live richly towards God and towards one another. I'm going to say, I don't stand with those systems that would marginalize people. I stand against them. And I do everything, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't people who are privileged when other people aren't. I'm not going to pretend that. i do everything I can um, to go against that. But in the meantime, God is great inside of you to live richly towards him and towards your family in Christ, regardless. You know? Is that okay? That's, Yeah. So if, so if you want to take the decision to, to sow materially, if you want to take the decision to sow financially, or if you want to do that, but for any of these reasons, it's just hard. Can I ask you to stand with me? I'm standing. Listen, now some of these issues, they just can't be solved by a little bless me prayer in the altar. I don't want to make light of some of these things I've talked about. Those are heavy things, you know. Um, But we still, if you want to be prayed with, if you want prayer, um, I know I speak for Pastor Kittian and and his leadership. We covet the opportunity to pray with you. So if you want someone to agree with you in prayer after we pray together, won't you please come? And Pastor Kittian's leadership team is going to be ready and they're going to pray with you. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. I want to just pray for you, and then you, you're welcome to come to the front for prayer if you, if you like. Father, we come before you, and all of us together that are standing, we take these decisions. We decide, Father, we're going to invest materially in your kingdom not because any man deserves it, but because you asked us to, God, and you deserve it. You deserve so much more than I could ever give, God. So we take a decision that we'll tithe, we'll give offerings. When you tell us to, we'll follow your leadership. We will invest materially. We will invest our talents. We will invest our time. However you lead, we will. And when times get tough, we will not stop. We will. We take that decision, Lord. And Lord, right now, we take a decision. We will live richly towards you, God, with our lives and our finances and our talents and our time. And we take a decision. We will live richly towards our family in Christ, towards the body of Christ. We will love one another. We will love people who don't have the same income we do. We will love people who don't have the same racial background we do. We will love people who don't come from the same city or the same province or the same country we do. Lord, however you can cut the strata of people, there's so many different ways to divide people, but we say tonight we are united in Christ. There is one faith, one God, and one baptism, one Spirit, one God, and Father of all, and we take a decision. We will live richly towards the body of Christ, and we will not stop when times get tough. We will not stop when times get tough. And Father, I ask you, for everyone who's gone, who's already in tough times financially or any of these other situations, Lord, I declare that your grace is greater. Where sin abounds, not just my sin, but a lot of people standing with me, a lot of my brothers and sisters, they've been sinned against. But where sin abounds, your grace super abounds. Someone sinned against my brother and sister in Christ. A whole nation sinned against my brother and sister in Christ. But your grace superabounds super abounds. Your grace is greater than the sin of man. Your grace is greater than systemic nonsense. Your grace is bigger. And Lord, I ask you, will you show yourself strong through your people as we rise up above all these limitations and all these sins of, of, of whatever's happened? Because God, we, we declare you're greater. We put our trust in you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would do something in this community that shows off the goodness of God and that sinners have no no possible response but to say there must be a God among those people and he must be good. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.